Are you excited for the word of the Lord? If you're not, I got enough excitement for you. It'll be good. Um, I'm excited for this morning. Today is going to be a good word. And before I even jump into all that I have for this morning, um, I wasn't going to share it. And then I felt like Holy Spirit during prayer said, no, do share. I said, okay. Um, because I felt a little self-seeking and a little too. Anyways, I won't go into why my brain said don't do it. Um, but even during worship, I know we've changed things up with giving the tithe and offering. And we got all kinds of opinions all over the place. And that's okay. Because I love the scripture. God reminded me this morning that God loves a cheerful giver. And this morning, I happen to have, very rare, I happen to have cash in my wallet this morning. Hardly ever happens. And I got prompted as, as we were singing worship songs, I felt like the Holy Spirit reminded me, hey, you have cash in your wallet. I was like, oh, okay. And he's like, you want to give that? I'm like, oh, okay. And as I thought about, oh, okay, this other thought came to my mind. There's no joke. I had, this is why I didn't want to say it. I had more money in my wallet this morning than I probably had in years. I had a lot of money in my wallet. I never have money. And this time I had a lot of money. And so the thought said, oh, wait, but I have a lot of money in my wallet this morning, God. <laughs> and he's like, and I love a cheerful giver. I was like, okay. So I, it didn't take long, but I did have to say, okay, well, I can't outgive God. I got a lot, everything I have, it's a joy to bring sacrifice to the Lord. So it was a sacrifice, but it was a joy to say, I've n when is the last time I gave that big of an offering? I'm like, I know it's been a while since I gave. And so with joy, I was like, uh, even looking at the, the money I was putting in, it didn't even fit. I was like, this is fun that I have so much money I can't even fit in that little crack. I'm like, God, this is good. I say all that because I want there to be joy in what God is calling us to do. I, I share, like I said, you probably know why I didn't want to share a testimony, right? Because it seems self-seeking. But I just, I felt like, no, I need to share the testimony because I want you to get in on the goodness. It's a joy to give to God. It's not something I have, like, tithe and offering, well, it's, it's the Old Testament law. I don't have to follow that law. I can care less about arguing if it's for today or not. It's a joy to give to God. That's where I, my position is. I've experienced the joy this morning of giving way more money than I probably should have, but it was a joy to do it. And I want you to get in on that joy. Does that make sense? So I'll stop talking about that. Um, and I'll segue. There's something about the joy of the Lord that I just, it's, I think it get weaves into all of my messages. Um, when I share the goodness of God, when I share the goodness of God's word, sometimes I'm weeping, but it's not this sorrowful weeping. It's just the joy and contentness of, of, of God. He brings a content that I, life, it is well with my soul. Even when I go through hard things, Jesus says, in this world, you'll have troubles. He promises us as believers, you're going to go through trials and difficulties. You're going to have troubles. But he says, be of good cheer. I've overcome the world. So in the midst of those troubles, I am supposed to obey the word of the Lord where it says, rejoice in the Lord always. Again, I say, rejoice. And that's just so ingrained in my spirit that anytime I'm not rejoicing, I don't feel right. I'm not being Ryan. And Holy Spirit has to say, Ryan, what is wrong with you? You're not being Ryan. You are meant to rejoice always. And so that's how it gets weaved into all my messages. I can be preaching on tithing. I can be preaching on, doesn't matter what is under the sun. That message of hope and joy is just going to get in there. Um, so this morning, I have a joy because I love, I'm one of those guys, I love old Testament history. I love Bible knowledge. I love trivia. I was cleaning out my um, office this last week, and I had a whole bunch of books on Bible trivia, and I said, like, yeah, it's probably time to get rid of these books, but I just, I got a lot of those gifts in my college years because I just, I, I'm a geek when it comes to the Bible, and I love it, and so somehow I was reading this week a story that I know I've read before, but this time it was a complete, I'm like, did I, have I read this story before? Because I was reading it with like such Increased information that I'd never read before. Um, who here has heard the story about the Israelites being in the wilderness 
and Moses having a staff and hitting a rock, and what happened? Water came out. All right, so that's kind of a Sunday school story that most people that grew up in the church, we know that story. Do you know the next one that it happened again years later? They needed water and there was a rock and Moses was supposed to do what to the rock? Hit it? Speak to it. He was supposed to speak to it, but instead he hit it again, right? And was God happy with that? No, that's why Moses didn't get to go in the promised land. Seems like a very harsh punishment, right? What? Just for not speaking, you hit it and he did all these right things and one wrong thing. I know that bothered me as a kid. Like, what the heck? Did you know there's another story where it wasn't Moses, it was somebody else that did something in the wilderness that brought water? Let's turn there. In Numbers chapter 21, turn there, Numbers chapter 21, we'll start in verse 10. And I think I have the reference up here. I love having my Bible. I, I have digital everything, and I read my Bible probably just as much digitally as I do physically. But it's something about I need to read it physically sometimes. So you're welcome to do any of those. Um, read it physically, read it digitally. There's a Bible in the pew in front of you. Um, if you don't have a Bible, don't leave this place without one. We've got lots of extra Bibles. So I'd love to everyone to leave here with a physical Bible. Um, but Numbers chapter 21 um, starting in verse 10, it says this. Now the children of Israel moved on and camped in Oboth. I'm going to stop there already. It says they moved on. That could just be a throwaway phrase, but for me, it stood out. The Israelites moved on. And let me give you some context, right? Context is king when you're reading scriptures. You need to know what's going on in the story. So this is, getting to your Sunday school trivia on, the Israelites came out of Egypt right? They were on their way to the promised land, and it should have taken just a few weeks, and instead it took how long? 40 years. And one of the reasons why is because they did what? They complained all the time. They, they, they saw the giants of the land. They believed the complainers rather than Joshua and Caleb, the ones that had faith for it. And so this story of them just complaining in the wilderness, it drove God nuts. And so this is towards, this is decades after they left Egypt, this is after Moses has hit the rock, was supposed to speak to the rock. The chapter before, Aaron actually just passed away. Moses' brother, who was the high priest, just passed away. So it's giving you context. We're getting close to the end of those wilderness years. So when it says they moved on, that's an important phrase. They moved on. If you go to the exact context, just the verses before, you might know some more Sunday school trivia. I knew this one. I read this. I'm like, oh, yeah, I've read this before. That they complained and God sent serpents and they started biting them. They started dying from the serpents. You remember that story? And how did they get healed? Any Sunday school trivia? This is the Sunday school trivia. How did they get healed? A rod, a staff, and it with a serpent, a bronze serpent was put on it. And anyone that looked at that staff was healed. If they were bit by the snake, they were healed, right? And so that's the story right before verse 10. They, they were complaining. There was judgment on their complaining. And it says they moved on. I know that technically means physically they moved from that place to Oboth. But I think there's more to it. I think they moved on because I did my trivia. I went and read the rest of the book of Numbers. From that day forward, they didn't complain once. Something happened. From that day forward, they switched from complainers to rejoicers. Something happened. So this is, again, context. I'm going to put my own Ryan. This is not all scholars agree with me. I like to think that it's possible that this day that we're about to read, this story, this water coming forth, we're going to get there, was on a holiday. That it was on the Feast of Tabernacles. If you didn't know, today is the Feast of Tabernacles. It's actually the last day. Feast of Tabernacles is eight days. You get a Sabbath. Anyways, it's the very end. 
It's eight days. This is the very last day of that festival, that celebration. And throughout the history of this, that was instituted in the wilderness after they came out of Egypt. God gave all these laws, Leviticus, all these things. And so there's multiple festivals or celebrations that these Israelites are supposed to um, celebrate different things that God did. And so this Feast of Tabernacles, without going all into it, I want to teach all that this morning, but the idea is to remember that they tabernacled with God in the wilderness, that God was their protection, that God was their provider, that his presence was with them everywhere they went, that in the wilderness, they had the cloud of uh, the pillar of cloud, right? The pillar of fire, and that God was with them and led them, and they tabernacled, or they were under the protection and provision and presence of God. And so that thousands of years later, us today, we can still celebrate the provision, the protection, and the presence of God. And so we're going to, today, we're going to look at a few different stories, hopefully, really quick. In fact, I'm going to do myself a favor. I normally, at the end of my message, am trying to like, you guys know I talk fast all throughout my message. And at the end, when I see it's like five minutes left, I'm like trying to go through my notes. What am I cutting out? I'm going to do myself a favor. I will do my best to end on time so the pastors can go be blessed. I didn't know about that, so we'll have to figure that out. But... If you need to go, and it's 12, we end at 12, 12, 30, 12, 12, maybe 12, 30, 12, um, end at 12. If you need to go, there's, there will, I just need to say this first. There will never, ever, ever be judgment for me on the platform if I see you get up, like this guy's getting up right now, and walk out. There will never be judgment from me. I, I, we all have lives. We all got to go do things. I understand that. Uh, I, I'm, you know, I'll, pick, I'll just make it worse. I'll pick on somebody else. Picking on Bert, who's on this campus more than anybody in this room, next Sunday, Bert won't be here. <gasps> Are we all going to judge Bert for not being here? Yeah. No, right? We love Bert. So there's enough love in this room that if you ever need to go in the middle of my sermon, I am never offended at that. If it's 12 o'clock exactly and I'm not done and you get up, I'm not offended. Like, go whenever you need to go, but I'm going to give myself freedom this morning that I'm not going to race to get everything done right at 12 so that I can go do the pastor's things. Does that make sense? Because I want to make sure I get everything the Lord wants. I've got a lot I want to say today, but I want to make sure I say everything the Lord wants to say this morning. So, man, I am all over the place. Are you guys hearing what I'm saying this morning? You're tracking with me? Okay, good. We're in Numbers, right? Numbers chapter 21. We read one <laughs> verse. 10a is all we've gotten so far. So they moved on. I love this. They moved on. To make time go faster, let's skip a couple verses. If you keep reading the next verses, they move from one place to the next. They kept moving on in the wilderness, and they move, they move, they move. Let's skip a couple of verses. Uh, verse 16. We'll go to verse 16. From there, they went to beer. If you ever thought beer was in the Bible, it is in the Bible. Lots of times, places are named for what God does there. God did not provide beer for the Israelites. <laughs> Let me be clear. Beer in Hebrew actually means well. So when we read that, it's nothing to do with what we think of beer is today. It's the well. So we're about to get into the idea of a well. So when they went there, they went to a place called well. This is the only place in the Bible that it's named this. You won't find it anywhere else. So we don't even know specifically where this is geographically. Somewhere in the wilderness, that's all we know, that they called this place well. So we got there. Verse, man, I'm preaching this too much because I got too much information here. Verse 16, from there they went to beer, which is the well where the Lord said to Moses, Gather the people together, and I will give them water. Then Israel sang this song. Spring up, O well, all of you sing to it. The well the leaders sank, dug by the nation's nobles, by the lawgiver and their staves. And from, and from the wilderness they went to Matanah. We'll stop there. So I just read everything. And I got to go back and 
digest some of that. I just said they had the serpents, they're all dying. They complained all throughout the wilderness. Something changed. They moved on. They went to this place called the well, and it's different. Every other time they needed water, God did these miraculous things, but it was always Moses that hit the rock, was supposed to speak to the rock. But this time, God tells Moses, gather all the people and have them participate. It's not up to you, Moses. It's up to the rest of them to participate. So again, going through context, in the very beginning of leaving Egypt and being in the wilderness, Moses instituted some leaders. It talks about the 70 elders, right? That they, he brought them together at Mount Sinai and they all prophesied. They saw a window and they saw God's throne. You go back to all the stories, pretty cool stuff. But it's been, we'll say, 38 years. We don't know exactly, but it's, it's been a time. And we know that that generation was all supposed to pass away. And the new generation was able to go into the promised land. This is my reading into the text. I believe this is a moving on, where it's no longer Moses being the provider for everybody. It's no longer those old 70 elders, because again, Aaron had just passed away, Miriam had already passed away. These older generation is dying off, and this is a time for the people to come together, the new leadership to say, we are going to bring water. We're going to participate. It's not just Moses now. It's a new leadership. It's a new people, a new identity that we're no longer complainers. We're people who sing before the provision. Did you catch that? When we read that story, again, it's a quick story. Yeah, God provided water. But God prophesied first. And they just showed up and the water came? No. It says they had to sing a song. Everyone. But then, let me read to you the New Living Translation, because I just read the New King James, and it gets kind of confusing. What does staves mean and all this stuff? So let me read that verse to you again in New Living Translation. Let me find it. Um, and it says this. Da, 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 da. I have it in here, I promise. There it is, verse 18, New Living Translation. Sing of this well which princes dug, which great leaders hollowed out with their scepters and staffs. I love that. Are you picturing the scene? Instead of Moses with his staff that parted the Red Sea, his staff that turned into a snake and swallowed up the Pharaoh's snakes and all the things that he did with his staff, it says these new leaders came with their staffs and they went into this valley and they began to sing. Everyone sang and these new leaders began with their staffs to pound on the ground. And these leaders are pounding. And it says they dug this well, not like a shovel, right? They weren't physically digging. They were just declaring the word of the Lord. God, you said you're going to provide water. And you said that we're supposed to sing, that we're supposed to participate. So we declare over and over again, water, spring up from this well. It's the wilderness. There's no well there. Physically, there's no well. They can't see water. But they're declaring, God, you said to gather. You said you're going to provide water. So we'll do our part and sing before we even see the water. We'll give thanks and praise you before the provision. Is that how you're living your life? Do you thank God just for what he's already done? Or have we learned to be a people that we give thanks before God provides? There's so many promises in Scripture, so many things that God has prophesied he wants to do, and he's waiting for his people to sing to the well, to get their staffs. I love that. I don't have a lot of time to do all this, but their staff, the idea of staff, it represents a whole bunch of things in the Old Testament, but I'll, I'll pick this one. It's whatever they had in their hand. 
whatever opportunity is at hand, whatever situation you're going through, can you declare the word of the Lord? Not what you see externally, not what the enemy, what the world says, not what your emotions say, not what your logical brain says, but what is the word of the Lord? God, I'm going to declare what you say. I, we sang a song, I am who you say I am. There's these things that we get, begin to learn how to declare these things. And I love that it's this idea, this context, I'm, I'm trying to give you this context of it being the Feast of Tabernacles. Again, I can't go through all of this right now. All the information in my head is going like this, a Rolodex. But water is a big deal in this tabernacle because in the wilderness, they needed water to survive, right? You needed water and God kept providing. So they're reminding themselves during this feast that God provides. He's Jehovah Jireh. He provides. The water is so integral and, and it's, the, it's the main source of life. And so we just thank you, God. And so even throughout thousands of years, I'll just really quick, what they do is they would grab water and they would pour water on the altar in the ark, uh, in the temple, right? In the tabernacle, they would bring water and they would actually pour it where they would pour the blood. They would sacrifice lambs and pour, they would bring the grain offering. They'd bring all kinds of offerings. But on this day, they would bring water and just pour water on the altar. And they just remind themselves that God is our provider. There's life in this water and God, you provide life. When I feel like life is being dried up, you provide life. And I was thinking about, again, that word beer, which means well. Actually, it means this. I looked it up in the Strong's. It means well or oasis of rest in the wilderness. Oasis of rest. Oh, good golly. Oasis of rest in the wilderness. Tongue twister. I'm going to use that. That's my title. I don't know what you want to call it for this morning's message. Is wilderness wells of water. Some of us have wilderness in our life. Maybe it's just an area of our life where hope has been shriveled up. A relationship with somebody from years ago, we haven't talked to them in years, and we've just lost hope over that relationship. And it's a wilderness. It's dry. It's parched. There is no life in that whatsoever. And God is saying today, actually, you can spring up a well of water in that wilderness. Because what he did here in Numbers, he can do again. What he did, what I'm saying is on the day that last day of the Feast of Tabernacles, we today are on that same day. This is the day of salvation. This is the time of God's favor. This is the time where God wants to do a new thing. Do you not perceive it? It will spring up from the ground. But it takes a partnership with his people. Will you sing, spring up a well? But right? I can't help but think I grew up... VBS songs. I don't even know if my kids know this VBS song. You guys know, um, I've got a river of life flowing out of me, makes the lame to walk and the blind to see. My kids know that? Opens prison doors, sets the captives free. I've got a river of life flowing out of me, spring up a well, splish, splash. Oh, good, you guys know it. <laughs> um, I love that song. But there's something about those kids' songs that sometimes when I re-sing them, I was singing that, that song I just sang. I practiced. Well, not practice to make it sound good, but I was singing that song this week because I was practicing in my spirit. Spring up, oh well. I, I have a responsibility to spring it up. It's not, God, would you do this for me? It's, God, you've already done it, and I need to declare it. So I'm learning to sing like a kid again. Spring up, oh well, within my soul. Spring up, oh well, make me whole. Spring up, oh well, and give to me that life abundantly. Right? I want to become like a child or like these 
people, these younger generation that said, I'm no longer going to complain. I saw what my parents did and it brought disaster. And I'm moving on from complaining and I'm going to learn how to praise God before the provision. I'm going to rejoice. You hear me say this, I just bring it up again. If giving thanks brings honor and worship to God, what does complaining do? It's devil worship. (laughs) It's so harsh, but it's so true. Anytime I complain, I'm singing a devil worship song. And I'm saying, I want to move on from that. I want to be in the wilderness where I have every right to complain, and I choose to give thanks. For nothing that's there in my presence right now, but I know my God. I know who he is, and I will give thanks to him because every good and perfect gift comes from him. So you see this, it's happening. And then verse 18, some more, again, trivia, Bible trivia. I just geek out out of this. It says, and from the wilderness, they went to Matanah. Again, another name not mentioned in the Bible. I think one other time it's mentioned, but we still don't know specifically where it is. Because I, this is my side note. I think we don't know where it geographically is because it doesn't matter. It's in the wilderness. Matanah. They went, they went from one place to this, right? They went from this place of springing up a well to Matanah. What does Matanah mean? Gift of Jehovah. They went from a place of being in wilderness, having not what they needed, singing songs, and they moved themselves into the gift of Jehovah. It was their praise. It was their worship. It was their declaration that moved them spiritually into a place of, I'm no longer complaining. I'm a rejoicer. And because of that, they moved into the gift or the provision of God. There needs to be a shift, I'll just say in my mentality, instead of blaming it on you guys. In my mindset, there needs to be a shift. Where when I pray, it's not, God, would you please just give me this? God, would you please do this for me? There needs to be a shift that I become more like this. God, you already said you're the provider. God, you already said you're my protection. You already said you're my rear guard, that you're the shield about me, that you're the glory, the lifter of my head. God, you've already said all these things. You've already said it. So instead of asking for it, I'm going to learn to start declaring that is what I'm going to do. And as I do it, I move myself spiritually from a place of complaining and withered wallowing in my own guilt and shame and all the things that are going bad in my life into the gift of God. And I, I want to be careful because I know that sounds like it's self-help. It's not. It's partnering with the God. I have a responsibility to move myself into the gift of God. And I know that can be dangerous grounds because it's the people don't like that naming and claiming thing. I'm, I'm not trying to go too far, but I'm trying to get biblical. I'm trying to get, yes, it might sound weird, but it's biblical. That's my new phrase I'm going to say almost every Sunday. I don't care what our mind thinks. I don't care what our emotion feels. Is it biblical? And if it's biblical, then I'm going to do it, regardless of my emotions or my thoughts. Yes, they're, they're great things to consult, but I don't make decisions based off of my own thoughts. I don't make decisions based off my own emotions. God gave me a brain. I want to use it. God gave me emotions. I want to use them. But I make decisions based on a solid truth. And so the truth is, these Israelites, they moved from a place of complaining into the provision of God because they sang and declared. So I'm going to do the same thing. 
I'm going to be the same type of person. And I just feel like it's available today, the day of tabernacles, the day of dwelling with your God, the day of coming under his provision. All right, so that was in the Old Testament. Let's look at David. David said something about this in Psalm 84. So Psalm 84, verse 1. Psalm 84, verse 1. Let's find it. This is a psalm that I believe David wrote for the Feast of Tabernacles. I'll tell you why as you read it. Finding it. I should have marked it. Sorry. Psalm 84. All right. So it says this. Verse, verse, first verse. How lovely is your tabernacle, right? O Lord of hosts. So again, I'm believing this is a, a praise and worship song that David wrote on this feast. My soul longs, yes, even faints for the courts of the Lord. My heart and flesh cry out for the living God. It helps me think of another psalm that David wrote. As the deer pants for water, so my soul longs for you, God. There's this idea that when we, everyone here in this room, you've been thirsty. We're like you were doing something and your mouth is just dry. In fact, mine is a little bit right now. I should get some water. Um, where you're thirsty and your mouth gets dry and pasty and you're like, oh, I need water. Mm. It's so refreshing and satisfying. But the reality is, everyone in this room, our soul longs for God. But do we fill our lives with other things to numb that desire? I remember hearing um, John Piper, Pastor John Piper, he gave a message that I loved. And I won't go into all of it right now, but he, I don't even remember the context. It's probably somewhere in Isaiah. He was reading this story. And he says, that's the plight of Americans, the Western world right now. We are putting our mouths to the dust of the earth, sucking and inhaling, trying to get water. And Jesus is over here saying, I'm the living water. And we wonder why our lives are a mess. We were meant to make the wilderness a well of water. You were meant to bring a well of water to other people's wildernesses. David is saying, I so long for the presence of God. I, as he says this, it's amazing. I think of Moses who, who knew the presence of God like nobody else. And then David comes on the scene and, man, he's the man after God's own heart. And he rewrites the rules. He actually breaks Old Testament Mosaic law and says, let's put the Ark of the Covenant in, this, in David's tabernacle. And priests are going to worship God 24-7. And David, who's not the high priest, goes into the presence of God whenever he wants, breaking all the rules and blessing the God, the Father's heart. He just longed. There's, there's stories where David, he would stay in that tabernacle for days. David, you're the king. You need to make some decisions. There's things that are going on politically. We need you over here to sit in the king's throne. And he's like, no, no, I just need to be in the presence of God. Because better is one day in his presence than a thousand elsewhere. Something about David, he's just longing for the presence of God. And I'm saying it's on this, I better go faster. Verse 3, even the sparrow has found a home and the swallow a nest for herself where she may lay her young. Even your altars, O Lord of hosts, my God and my king. I love it that even the sparrow, even things that seem insignificant, all of us belong under the tabernacle of God. Jesus says in the New Testament, right? Why do you worry about having provisions when God takes care of the sparrow? 
right? So in this same verse, David's saying, even the sparrow has access to your altar. All of us have access. Blessed are those, verse 4, blessed are those who dwell in your house. They will still be praising you. I can't help but think of Joshua. Again, he's becoming the leader in that Numbers 21, the Old Testament. And what did it say about Moses? After he left the tabernacle, who stayed? Joshua. He just wanted to dwell or linger in the presence of God. He wanted to stay as long as he could. There's something that God is doing something in this generation. We sing that song, we're crying out for this generation. To be a generation that we just long to be in the presence of God. That yes, I want the word of God to go forth, but so much of God's word has anointing when I've been in the presence of God. That we grab a hold of like never before. That we are blessed, that we are happy. That word blessed means happy. That we are full of joy just to dwell in the house of God. And we do it in a sense all the day long because it's not just a physical place. It's I can be, I can take his presence with me everywhere I go. They still, they still will be praising all the day long. As they pass through the valley of Baca, they make it a spring. I love that. As they pass through the valley of Baca, I can't help but think of Numbers 21. What does Baca mean? I know it and I've got to look it up again. Baca means weeping. As they pass through a valley of weeping, of sorrow, of wilderness, what does it say? They make it what? They make it a spring. Those who know how to get into the presence of God, they can walk through a season of weeping, of sorrow, of grief and loss and make it a spring. I don't mean this judgmental. I'm just, I want to stimulate your thought. Is that how you live your life? Is that how you walk through the valley of the shadow of death? I love that. I remember years ago, I heard a pastor say, why did I never hear that before? I don't know. But he said this years ago. It says we walk through the valley of shadow of death, but he makes us to lie down in green pastures. I don't make a camp. I don't camp in the valley. That valley of Baca, no, I don't live there. I transform that valley. I'm meant to walk there so I can spring up a well of joy and life for other people. I'm I'm going to prepare the way of the Lord. It's not all about me when I walk through my valley of Baca. I'm preparing something for somebody else. I'm a dad. I got young kids watching how I go through loss and grief. And I'm preparing them. I don't want to keep bringing it up, but man, just a couple of years ago, losing my sister, losing my brother-in-law, losing Jan, all, the, all within a year, all this death. It was a valley of death. But I was walking through it. I went through grief. I went through all those things. But I did not lose my joy. And I hope this comes across the right way because I don't want this. I'm patting myself on the back. I just want to lead you the same way. I want you to have the same life I have. I don't want you to be stuck in a place of wilderness. I don't want you to be stuck in a valley of Baca where you just weep all the day long. Because you can be in that place and spring up a well of joy. It really was a supernatural moment when I went to the place my sister fell off that cliff and died. It was a valley of Bach. I had tears in my eyes. God, why did you this happen? And I just began to bring spring up a well. I said, no, God, you are perfect in all your ways. I just began to praise God. And I'm telling you, supernaturally, the clouds opened up and sun came through these trees. It was a beautiful moment. The valley of death became a beautiful place. Do I still miss my sister? Do I still have tears sometimes? Of course. But I don't stay and wallow in this weeping. There is joy. There's tears of joy. 
that I love that I got to have a sister who brought thousands to Christ, that I got to go to her funeral and I, a church filled with a thousand people, I got to bring the gospel in a Catholic church and see Catholics get saved. I, I just begin to have joy thinking about these things. And the Lord is saying today is a day that he wants to spring up a well of life inside of you. It says this, they make it a spring. The rain also covers it with pools. They go from strength to strength. Each one appears before God in Zion. Again, each one appears. There's, they have to travel. There's three times in festivals where you have to travel to Jerusalem. This is one of them, the Feast of Tabernacles. You go to Zion. But I love that phrase. They go from strength to strength. They don't go from morning to morning. They don't go from sorrow to sorrow. They don't go from wilderness to wilderness anymore. That's what the Israelites used to do. But something, they moved on. They're no longer going from wilderness to wilderness. They're going from wilderness to a place of joy. To to still waters. Waters where they can drink and get refreshed. Green grass to eat and be refreshed and have provision. We're moving from a place of wilderness to provision. But there's got to be that partnership. Will you be like David and say, oh, I just long to be with you, God. You are what I want more than anything else. If the provision comes or doesn't come, I just want you. And as I want you, I move into that gift of Jehovah. I get the provision also. If I seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, all these other things get added. All right. So we've got a crescendo here. We're looking at Numbers 21. We're looking at David and Psalms. Turn with me to John chapter 7. This is Jesus. And like I said, I already know I'm going to go. I got seven minutes left. I'll I'll at least go 10. At least. So get ready to go over. Overtime. John chapter 7. Because it's that good. We'll start in verse 1. Just so you get context. John 7, 1 says this. After these things, Jesus walked in Galilee, but he did not want to walk in Judea. Because the Jews sought to kill him. Verse 2, important right here, ding, ding. Now the Jews' feast of tabernacles was at hand. His brothers therefore said to him, Depart from here and go into Judea, that your disciples also may see the works that you are doing. For no one does anything in secret while he himself seeks to be known openly. If you do these things, show yourself to the world. For even his brothers did not believe in him. Verse 6, we'll keep going. Then Jesus said to them, My time has not yet come, but your time is always ready. We'll stop there. So it's the Feast of Tabernacles. Jesus is like a good Jew, supposed to go to Jerusalem, in Judea. That's what he's supposed to do. His brothers are like, Jesus, let's go. Start doing the miracles you're doing in Galilee. and Take it to the big time. Everyone's going to follow you. You're going to become the Messiah. And Jesus is like, it's not my time yet. I didn't come for a political kingdom, and it's not my time to be in Jerusalem to lay down my life. So he's like, no, I'm not going with you. Yet, I love that because he didn't lie. He said, I'm not going with you yet. And so his brothers and family, they all left. And then if you keep reading, we're not going to read it. But you read the rest of the chapter. It says Jesus secretly went a back road into Jerusalem. And it says halfway through the feast. So a couple days into it. Like I said, it's eight days long. A couple days into it, Jesus is finally on the temple mount. And he can't help but be Jesus. He starts teaching. And people are like, who is this guy? And all the Pharisees are like, man, who, who educated this guy? Because we're in control of all the educational system and none of us recognize this guy. And he's smarter than all of us, right? And as the feast goes on, really quick, I'll just give you context. So as the feast goes on, I, okay, really quick. I got to be in Jerusalem during the Feast of Tabernacles about 20 plus years ago when I was in college. I got to study in Israel. And 
it was amazing to me to see what even happens today. The, the um, Hasidic Jews that wear the black hats and have the curly you know, sideburns and wear the black suits and all that stuff. It was so fun to see them and other rabbis that had the prayer shawls on. They would walk through the old city of Jerusalem on these days of feasts. And I kind of pictured, because I'd gone into some, uh, the church of the Holy Sepulchre, where, is where they think Jesus might have been crucified and buried. And it, it was all gaudy and overly Christianized. And, and it just, it was... It was these priests that were Christians walking around singing droning songs in Latin or whatever. And it was just kind of somber. Like every time I went to those places, it was always somber. But on these feasts, these Jews knew how to party. These old men with gray hair are literally dancing around in the streets. And they're clapping hands, giving high fives. And they would go through, they would take over the roads. You, if you were walking down the street, you're like, oh, crud, I can't walk that way. I got to go find another way around. Because they took up the whole road. And they were celebrating, laughing, singing joyous songs, dancing. And they were on their way to the Temple Mount. It says that in Jesus' day, what they did is they'd go to the Pool of Siloam. They'd take a golden pitcher. They would put water in that picture, from the, and they would do the same thing. They would celebrate. This whole week, it was a high holiday. It was tons of joy and celebration, and they would take that water. They would go into the temple, and the, and the priest would pour water on the altar, and they would all celebrate. So picture, this is the scene. It's, they did this every single day, but now let's jump all the way towards the end of chapter 7, verse uh, 37. We'll go to verse 37. So on the last day, the great day of the feast, Jesus stood and cried out, saying, If anyone thirsts, let him come to me and drink. He who believes in me, as the scripture has said, out of his heart will flow rivers of living water. But this he spoke concerning the Spirit, whom those believing in him would receive. For the Holy Spirit was not yet given, because Jesus was not yet glorified. We'll stop there. I don't know if you're catching all of it. But on the highest pinnacle crescendo of celebration, as they're pouring water over the altar, Jesus had told his brothers, it's not my time yet. I'm here in secret. I don't want people to know who I am yet. Something happens. He's filled with the Spirit. And he's got all this context of meaning of the water, of the, Numbers 21, all the thousands of years. They've been celebrating the Feast of Tabernacles. And as they're celebrating over there at the altar, it says Jesus gets up and stands up and cries out with a loud voice, louder than all them celebrating over the Old Testament law. He says, if anyone thirsts, let him come to me, and I will give them living water. He's making, he can't keep it in any longer. He knows it's not his time to be crucified yet, but the spirit of God is in him. And he's saying, don't you see what you're doing? You're testifying of me. I'm the one that gives living water. You can't get it anywhere else. And out of you will flow rivers of living water. I love that he says this, as the scripture has said. Man, we could spend the next two hours reading what is he meaning by the scriptures have said because he's quoting tons of scripture when he says this. But let me just give you a couple for context. He says this. <clears throat> let me find it. Exodus 17, water coming from the rock. Numbers 21, we talked about. Isaiah 12, with joy you will draw water from the wells of salvation. Isaiah 44, 3, I will pour water on him who is thirsty and floods on the dry land. I will pour my spirit on all of you. Ezekiel 47, 1, he brought me to the temple and there was water flowing from out from under the threshold. I'll just stop there because there's tons more. Or I'll read one more. 
Revelation 22.1, And he showed me a pure river of water of life, clear as crystal, proceeding from the throne of God and of the Lamb. There's all these prophetic pictures of water flowing from the temple. Coming in Revelation from Jesus, the throne room of God, from the Lamb himself. It talks about rivers in Revelation, the rivers of life in Eden, right? Genesis, rivers. There's all this idea of rivers. But I love that Ezekiel say, no, out of the temple, water began to come up from within and pour out of the temple. Scripture says, you are the temple of the living God. And out of you will flow rivers of water, waters of life, that you might have life and more abundantly. Jesus said, I came to give you life, not just a ticket to heaven, not just that when you die, one day you get to go to heaven. No, that you might have it more abundantly. So that you have your name written in the Lamb's Book of Life, but until then, you're living an abundant life where rivers of life are just coming out of you. No matter what the situation, people are getting a drink of cold water, getting refreshed when they're around you. Holy Spirit's good. It's 12 o'clock. Today is the day of salvation. Today, right now, is the time of God's favor. There's no way I can express all the things that are in my spirit and my mind about today. This is the great day. It's the last day of the Feast of Tabernacles. Jesus is today saying, anyone who's thirsty, come to me. If you just believe in me, you'll have rivers of living water come out of you. So rather than making it soft and easy, if you need to make Jesus the Lord of your life today, maybe for the first time, or maybe you're hearing this message and you're realizing, I'm not living an abundant life. Rivers of living water are not coming out of me. I'm stuck in a wilderness, and today I want a fresh river to come inside of me. I, if that's you, would you just stand up? You want rivers of living water to come out of you today. You want to leave different than the way you came in here. That joy springs up. I love that Jesus says, if anyone thirsts, let him come to me. He who believes in me. He who believes in me. It's not, you don't have to do anything other than just believe to receive the love and forgiveness of God. But I will connect the idea of joy, the overflow, the abundance. And, and Jesus says, but this he spoke concerning the spirit. There's some of you that maybe you need to get saved and believe in Jesus today. But some of you, you need to receive the Holy Spirit. You're saved. But you need to, you need to drink in the Holy Spirit so that rivers of joy come out of you. I'm going to say a simple prayer. You just join me in the simple prayer. God, I believe in my heart that today is different than any other day in my life. You're speaking to me and I recognize it. And I'm thirsty. You said if anyone is thirsty, God, I, I say right now, I'm the thirsty one. I've tasted maybe before of how good you are, but today there's a greater thirst I want more. I want more. 
I'm not satisfied with the, the level of, of water in my life. I want it to spring up as a geyser to overflow, an abundance that gushes out. I want the joy of my salvation. I don't want just salvation. I want the joy of my salvation. So I invite you, as we did through worship earlier, that I, I laid my life on the altar. God, I do it again. I lay my life on the altar, and I ask that you would fill me as I empty myself of all that's me. God, would you fill me with all that is you? May I be filled with the fullness of God. I give you my life. I'm yours. Hmm. And you can open your eyes. If, if you gave your life to Christ, whether for the first time or you rededicate your life, would you please, please, just, if you're gracious towards me, let me know before you leave. Just let me know so I can pray for you, so I can give you a gift. But we're not done. Like I said, I know I ended at 12.04, but we're not done yet. Because what I feel like that Numbers 21, there was an invitation for not the leader up front to declare something. There was an invitation for the people. You want a water? You want water in your wilderness? Then come sing. Then come make a declaration. Come say, spring up, oh well. So we're going to sing a song like we normally do. But I encourage you, some of you, you need to come up front. You need to come up here. Maybe not make a fool of yourself. Make a child of yourself. <laughs> and sing these songs like a child. Get the joy of the Lord. If you really want the joy of the Lord, you're really thirsty, it's here. But come spring it up. Does that make sense? So let's sing. Let's sing. I've got a river of life flowing out.